Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Barbed Wire Bite. I'm here, as always, with your host, Gary Wolf. Seven, man. Good morning, help. I got to I got to ask you first off, did, did you hear your old alma mater, Sabu, is retiring? Although he said he'd have one more match. <laughs> I have to talk to him, give him a call and ask him. I did see that. So, yeah, I got to give him a, a shout out and just see what's up with that. He I said he's know. pretty banged up. So I remember some of those ECW matches with the. Uh, with Sandman, like he got his jaw busted and he taped it up. I remember the barbed wire match. He ripped his bicep and he just glued it and duct taped it. It was like, God damn, this guy's insane. Oh, yeah, he loves pain. That's his gimmick. Pain is, is what he, that's what he's into. So he would, uh, shit, man, I remember we were in Japan and one night he was breaking tables. Because he, his pops, at that point, he was still going with his pops, the old man. He would break a table. In, in Japan, the tables, man, they're hard to break. So he hit this fucking table, and you see his body just crumble over. It doesn't break. Goes up again, hits it again. It crumbles a little bit, but doesn't break. I mean, this motherfucker was killing him, his body. Like, it would, like finally, he came off the top, threw it while it was on the ground, shattered it then but uh yeah he was when i first met him he was uh one of the strangest individuals i ever met i never met somebody with so many scars on their body because the way he scars he scars your skin like sticks out a little bit everybody scars two different ways the way he scars you could say it plainly say it and uh when I first saw him with his shirt off, I was I was shocked. Like, damn, like this guy's been through some shit, you know, with some barbed wire and all that hardcore shit, you know, which I ended up doing anyway in Japan anyway with him. But it did freak me out, I'll be honest with you. How come you think, because he was, for the longest time, well, until the whole thing where he didn't go to the three-way dance, he was like the face of ECW, all the after mags used him a lot of the moves that he did he invented that people to this day still do you know those matches he had with van damme and scorpio are, are classics and how come you think he never really went anywhere like he went he, when he went to wwe he was there for a little while got popped for weed but he never got you know credit for a lot of the stuff he invented do you, do you have any idea why that might have happened because he's got that in our business, I guess in the boss's eyes, he's got a bad reputation where he can't be counted on. Uh, you know, at one time or another, maybe he had a problem and he, he couldn't handle it and he couldn't do both. Who knows? But that go, that's everything and everywhere. You know what I mean? So let's handle it. If he needs rehab, send him to rehab. If he don't, you don't. I mean, you're going to you know, bust his balls about a little weed? They should be happy. They should be, honestly, they should be ecstatically happy and say, that's all? Damn, that's great. Beautiful. Keep doing what you're doing. Because and another reason, number two, is nobody in WWE can handle working with him or, you know, handle his style, you know, which is Jap style. That's why he had great matches with Scorpio. He used to be in Japan. We're in New Japan. You know, so... Van Damme was in New Japan. 
he'd have great matches with Jericho. Uh, everybody, I mean, I've wrestled him many times, main event matches, main event. And we had fucking crazy standing remote matches with him. I enjoyed him. I think I wrestled him a couple of times for the 3PW belt. Uh, I wrestled him. Me and my partner had a good match versus him and Taz. Which you would think it would be it wasn't good, but it was it, it was actually a good match. That was it was nice. Uh, him and Van Dam were a great tag team together. So we had great matches with them. You know, we would just follow their lead because you know, like I said, Sabu was going to Japan before all of us were. You know, he, like I said, he was just still going when his grandpa was going. I mean, I'm not lying to you. I was in New Japan Pro Wrestling, bro. And, and I, I seen Tiger Jit Singh there. I seen, you know, Baba, all these guys that are old. Like, these guys were old, and they won't, they won't put up them boots, man. They still want to wrestle. And that's why Stan Hansen had such a long career there. You know what I mean? Terry Funk can still go there and probably work and make money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's in great shape. But those guys were, were making a big money. Vader, Bam Bam. I mean, my bus alone, we would have the Wild Samoans, which was, I know, the Samoan SWAT team. That was Sammy and Yokozuna. They were the tag team. Uh, the Pitbulls were there. Killer Bees were there. Bam Bam was there with Vader. So we had Vader and Scorpio. So we had a pretty nice group of like Americans, but then they had the Japanese side, which is, you know, Muda, Fuji, uh, uh, Master Saito, which I got to wrestle, which was awesome. That was awesome. I never thought I'd be able to. You know what I mean? Plus wrestle in Japan. And I put the cherry on top. You know what I mean? A lot of, they, they don't have a big, I did notice that there was a lot of shooters, man, in our company when, when I got hired in Japan. I mean, silver, bronze, gold medalists, 10-year Marine champion, wrestlers. I mean, some of these guys are badass, man. I was very, very shocked. Like, which now I just noticed that WWE is starting to do. I mean, they just had the Olympics. You make a pull at least three guy Americans that did very well. I know one or two at least won a gold medal. And then you got the girls division who won a she won the gold in wrestling. And she's no small chicken, you know, she's a big chick. She'd be a heavyweight champ, no problem. No problem. So I noticed they also tried to do the UFC route, but that didn't work. That's why AEW took that over real quick. Yeah, and I don't, I, all I can say is I, I know they're going to do the top team with Junior and Arlovsky, who great in their prime UFC fighters, not wrestlers. I'm hoping that this street fight thing that they're doing is like taped, one of them gimmicks where they're fighting somewhere and then it's a quick edit and they come out to the ring because UFC is a, like I said, I like ultimate fighting, but the most guys don't transition back and forth very well. Uh, no, not everybody can. So I, not, I don't know if Arlovsky can do it. 
I guess we'll find out who can work and who can shoot, you know. If you, if you, if you can't protect the other guy you're going against, it means you can't wrestle. You know what I mean? You got to know when to put it on and then know when not to put it on. You know what I'm saying? Now, in ECW, I remember, and I've always heard the same story. I remember they brought in Paul Varlins, Polar Bear, who was the late Paul Varlins, I should say. That's right. That's right. I didn't know he passed away. How old was he when he passed away? 40s, I think. Not very old. I think he had COVID. No shit. Well, he was big. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He was a big motherfucker, man. Um, uh, I'd say 400 pounds. Easy. Well, they kept saying that when he fought Taz and Saturn, which Saturn looked like he kicked him in the back of the fucking head for real, the way he took his head off. But they all I've heard is that the only reason he agreed to do the job to Taz was because Missy Hyatt was going to give him a blow job. She said she even said that. But then she said, like, but I didn't end up doing it, which I, I don't know about that. But it, I mean, is that true? I mean, would you bring somebody in and not have it? You're going to lose to this to Taz. I mean, you wouldn't take that to chance, would you? You know, 10 minutes before a match. I was very shocked that he went over and I'm in the company. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought they were going to have him get beat and let Polar Bear beat him and then work a little angle I thought they were going to do. I had no idea they were going to do it so quick. I didn't hear nothing about that blowjob thing, and I'm the king of sleaze. I, sh- I believe me, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> so, and Missy even admits it. She was like, yeah, I said I'd give him a blowjob. He agreed to it, and then I told him I'm not going to blow a jobber at the end. It was like, Part of me believes that, but part of me also believes maybe she did blow him. I don't know, but she she let loose a lot of stories about her time on ECW over various interviews. With I don't know because I mean I don't think I mean unless Polar Bear didn't bring any people with him. See, I don't know. I don't remember that night. I mean, I was there. He must not have brought his boys with him because I would have came in and there and said, "No, I ain't doing the job." And, what are you and your locker room going to do about it? You know what I mean? Obviously, that didn't happen. He must have came by himself or one other person. But I was, like I said, I was still, I was in shock that Taz went over. I thought they were going to do some kind of angle with him. I believed, I mean, to, to Heyman's credit, I believed, and I was a mark for Taz because I, 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 I did judo for the longest time in my life. Yeah. Loved the judo. I loved because he did the tap outs, he did kataja mains, he did the right arm bar. Everything was perfect. I thought this guy was the baddest motherfucker on the face of God's green earth till he went to WWE and Jerry Lawler went, who is this guy? I got socks taller than him. And then I looked at him. I was like, you know, this guy is really not that tough. He's a short little guy. And then you come to find out he got, you know, punked out by RVD. You know, he's not really a shooter and all this. So to Heyman's credit, that was a, uh, that was a hell of a way to build a guy. He had me convinced. Well, I think his judo skills are good. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, when he wants to be a nice guy, he can really be a nice guy. I'm not going to lie to you. But when he wants to be a dickhead, he can be a total dickhead. You know, so, I mean, that goes with everybody. But uh, He's a great commentator. I love – I think the booth mm-hmm. should just be him and Excalibur. Here's your bad guy in Taz. Your Excalibur is your good guy that knows the names of the holds. To me, that's all you need is the two-man booth. And I mean, Taz had a great run in what WWE and what about a seven, eight-year run as a commentator, about a 10-year run in TNA as a commentator. He not bumping. Yeah, he was good for him. No, yeah, he uh, they liked him. 
well, actually MTV loved it. MTV, that's when Vince was running shows on MTV. I don't know if you guys remember, but Vince was going to fire him. He was going to let him go, Taz. Once he figured out, okay, really, he Taz and, you know, like, I guess I guess we'll I'll make him be commentating, you know, screw it. And then uh, when I guess Vince said, all right, we're, we're releasing these people. And they said, why are you releasing Taz? And he's probably like, we don't want to keep them. And he's like, well, we want to keep them. So I heard that saved his job so he could stay at Vince for a little bit longer and do the commentating and shit like that. But he's a good commentator. Very good. Um, he, he would be a good manager, except they got him with a whole pile of crap. I don't know if they've got him with a pile of crap at AEW, if they just don't know what to do with him. I think AEW, everybody has a gang, and I think they just started throwing so many people together, they don't know what yeah. to do with half of them. I think AEW should hire me as their manager. And I got somebody right now I can bring in. He's 25 years old, fourth-generation wrestler. And take Tiger mask, mask and put it on him because that's how he can work. That's how good he can work. Okay. They could have me in the in the office there doing some booking. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I can talk the talk, man, and walk the walk. This kid can wrestle his ass off. Okay, no bullshit. He's fourth fucking generation, man. Fourth, and and then the first two. We're fucking up there with the sheet selling buildings out. I ain't saying his name yet because ain't time. But when you, you see this guy come, you guys better watch out. Everybody's belts up the line. This guy, talk about Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair and Macho Man wrestling. This guy could do it all. All of that and then some. Okay? And really catch wrestle your ass into submission with no fucking problem if he wanted to because he started as a like, four-year-old kid you know he's been out here and there people just don't get it yet because their heads are just too screwed up they don't understand they don't see talent when they see talent you know what i mean like some people just don't say it but they think they see it and then they realize later man it's not what i was saying you know what i mean but I was watching the old. I was watching some old Ricky Steamboat stuff because I always was. A, I think we've covered. I love the the arm drags. He was a, a great wrestler, oh. but but I noticed his interviews were bad. He was very boring. He wasn't the interview type because it really, when you meet him and talk to him in person, he's really fucking hilarious. You know, it's like when he gets in front of a camera, he's like. I heard Dean Malenko's real funny too. Is that true? Dean's great, man. Dean's a funny Dean is cool, man. Real his cool. WWE career, I figured he'd be good because he was such a good wrestler. And when he went to WWE, they he, there was no no charisma. And they they tried to give him the gimmick of having no charisma, like they did Lance Storm, and it just didn't work. But he, he got a job as a road agent forever. Then he's a road agent now in AEW. So he's doing okay. He's just I've seen him live. I met him. He's He's small compared to me, and I'm not I'm not tall. I wrestled him. The first time I wrestled him was probably 1989. Between 89 and 90 was probably when I wrestled him. And I was in North Carolina working for Paul Jones and George Scott. So down there, you always got Ricky Steamboat hanging around somewhere. You always got fucking Ric Flair hanging around somewhere. So it, it was cool. 
when I saw him live, it was WCW. It's just a house show. And I remember at first it was really bad because they were using WWE catchphrases. Like Sting came out and he's like, if you ain't down, I got two words for you. And then Disco Inferno's like, I'm going to kick your rooty poo. You know, just like The Rock is like, this is pathetic. And I, had, I wanted to leave at first. It's like, these guys are, are taking the company's catchphrase. They know they suck so bad. But the main event ended up being Mysterio and Kidman against Benoit Malenko. They let him go for like a half hour. That was the best goddamn tag match I've ever seen in my life. Why that was not on a pay-per-view is beyond me. They're, they could have made so much money with those four guys. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like I said, when I worked him, they pulled me aside. They're like, okay, uh, his, his brother is home. He had an injury. He had to get it fixed. He's here by himself. He's from Japan. And uh, instead of Anthony, you work with him. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I walk, that's it. That's all he said. Uh, and then he's like, uh, he goes up. No, you go up. And I'm like, all right. So I turn around and it's Dean Malenko. And I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like, nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Heard about you. You know, heard of, heard of the Malenko brothers because I'm a tag team person. Uh, he said, uh, so we went, we got to get this done. What do you want to do? I said, but I'm a baby face. And I thought this is my first job I ever had in wrestling business. He worked six nights a week, and I was making like $75 a night. But that was the first job. So that's 150 me and Anthony are bringing in together. So that's not too bad as a tag team. And if you live with each other and you get a two-bedroom apartment, it's, it's so much cooler, you know? I'd rather do that than stay in a hotel. A lot of guys stay in hotels, and if we, if we know we're going to be there for a while, let's get, a con, let's get an apartment or something, rent something out, you know? And back then, I mean, fuck, we, we got a place for $485 a month. Two bedroom, two bathroom, apartment, pool, tanning beds, everything. Including electric. I include the electric, every, everything for $485. We were like, okay. And we're, the lady was like so nice to us. I remember because we were in North Carolina and she was like, I said, I don't have a. Uh, we don't have much cash, you know, like how much we got to put down, what, a month ahead or something. She's like, no. The first is tomorrow. You can move in tomorrow. Pay me at the beginning of the month or the end of the month. You, you decide. You know what I mean? I said, well, yeah, I'll figure out with my boss how I'm getting paid and I'll work it out. Because between me and Anthony, I that was only $240 a piece. That's not bad for a nice place to stay. Now, did you know Anthony before wrestling, or were you guys put together when you started? No, we knew each other. We went to high school together. We actually grew up in the same town together. So I didn't really, he had his crowd, I had my own crowd. And we ended up meeting up in a gym one night. I had like a little small gym out of town because I would go to a Buda gym, it was called, outside of the town where I'm from. And uh, he was in there, and I met him in there, and I was shooting shit with him. And he's like, oh, you work out and all this shit? I'm like, yeah, well, it's, you know, fuck it, you know, something to do, you know. Because I wasn't even thinking about being a wrestler at that time. I had stores on the, the boardwalk down the shore, so I had my own shit going on. And uh, we ended up starting to work out together. Became friends. Uh... That summer, I was going down to shore to work, and we always rent a house on the beach. So 
So we're down all summer on the beach. Because I had a cheesesteak place right between Maury's Pier and Hunt's Pier, it was called. So I would sell that. I would sell that. And then I'd sell uh, Italian ice upstairs on the boardwalk area. So I made I had money coming in all day and night. I just had to be there to collect it all and work it. And just make sure I had people working for me that were cool. So I put Anthony on the grill. He, he wanted to do something. I said, I'll put you on the grill. Cook some sausage and peppers and shit like that. You know what I mean? Cheese steaks. Uh, and we did good. We had, it was fun. Yeah, I used to want to be a wrestler when I was younger. Then I realized that steroids made me bigger, but they couldn't make me grow. So I was always going to be short. And that was, I'm older. So this was the time of, you know, the big boss man, Hulk Hogan, the ultimate warrior. This, this was the land of the giants at my age. So then I figured I'd be a booker that didn't materialize. And then I just figured, well, I should be a manager. I've got a big mouth. I can talk. I could martial arts background. I can bump. And then that didn't happen either. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I got to go to schools. I mean, I was going to go to Al Snow's. I actually looked into snow school. Oh, that's a good school. Al's a good worker. Al's a great worker. Al is like 10 times bigger now than he he is when he was a wrestler. He's jacked to the gills. When I first met him, I, I honestly said, who is this kid? That's what I said. Because I imagine the first time I met him was at ECW when he came to ECW. I mean, to me, I didn't really, I mean, to me, he looked like an average guy. Yeah, he wasn't even really built, just kind of no, maybe he no. ran track, you know, just not, not athletic. One, no, once I seen him wrestle, there was something special there. It was different. Like he could wrestle his ass off, but if you look at him, Back when he first came in, the, the first fucking match he came to ECW, I mean, he got a pop because he was from Ohio Valley. That's where he came out of, I think. Correct. Uh, but he, uh, he, he, looked, he looked like a nobody but could wrestle his ass with. I was very surprised. Because I, they put him in against Sabu one night. And he had a hang with Sabu, and he actually did. You know? If you get hang with Sabu, pretty much the match, you get hang with anybody if you get hang with Sabu. Well, I remember he was in Smoky Mountain uh, before WWF. And I, and I looked forward to his interviews because he was so funny. He was just such a natural asshole. So funny. And then when WWE hired him, I'm like, oh, man, I'm telling my friends. I'm like, this is the guy that I'm always talking about with it's with Kane. I think Kane had gotten hired at Isaac, as Isaac Yankum at the time. I was like, this guy is so funny. And he never fucking talked. He never did anything. And I didn't pay any attention to him again until he went back to ECW and got the head. And then he was over the rest of his life. That head. Dude, the whole know. arena had, everybody in the arena had a head. They had their own head. So when he came out, they could all raise it. It was that was one of the one of the biggest moments in ECW, I gotta say. Out of the top ten, that's one of them, definitely. Because when you look at the camera, it's like you're looking at it, and everybody's got a fucking head. And it's like as soon as he comes out, you know, it says give me head. I mean, it's great. Great gimmick. I'm sure you got a lot of head from it. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I love I loved it the living dangerously pay-per-view. When he ended up being uh, Storm's mystery partner and Candido's like, wait, you're going to give me, you know, I'm going to give you a head, perfect setup. But 
when the audience bombarded the ring with heads and the way Candido did, like Candido would go to kick one out of the way and then he'd fall and take the big back bump like he tripped on the head. I was I always loved to watch uh, Candido. He this is stuff he did was so it was so simple, yet it looked so amazing. You know, you could tell was, that he was just well, having was, fun. I call it Three Stooges stuff he would do. And he, it, it, he would just do that on the whim because he had no gimmick. So he could do whatever he wants. That's what that whole thing was. No gimmick needed because when he's out there, if he feels goofy about, like he said, all the heads were coming in. He's thinking to himself, what do I do? I'm gonna, oh, I'll pretend to kick one and miss it and take a bump and people are laughing. And that's what he did. And that's and then and he got the reaction that he wanted. So that shows a good worker there. Oh, he was great. Even his interviews in ECW were good. I remember there was one where he's I don't remember who he was gonna fight. And he's like, Yeah, I'll come, I'll come keep it, but not right now. I've got a cold. And he's like zips up and so he's like, not feeling good, Joey. You know, and he's talking to him, it's like, and you could tell he was just making the shit up. You can tell it just came natural to it. He was a perfect heel. He was. And I met his grandfather who worked in the business. I forget what his name was. Popeye something. Yeah, he was no, he was a he was an old man. He was an old, I say he was in his late 80s, early 90s, and he's still still pretty jacked for an old man. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I met him at the Monster Factory one one night when I was there because Chris came out of the factory with me. He Before was tight with balls, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was there when Balls was going there. So I went in, I think I went in right after those guys. Because I went in in 88. And I was out by, I mean, 88. I started working around 89. And then we got our first tour to New Zealand. And that, that's when everything just took off from there. It happened so fast. You know what I mean? Because we had Larry Sharp, like, He's seen what was coming. You know what I mean? When he compared us to guys in WWF, especially the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation, I mean, we were right there gelling with them. You know, even Gorilla Monsoon saw us. You know, so it wasn't, we weren't stupid. We knew why we got hired to go work in North Carolina. We were going to WF. You know, Chavis was there. Ken Shamrock was there. Uh, one of the cowboys, I forget his name, he passed away. Second or third generation, he was there. But there were just so many guys that this is crazy. There's just so many. I always wondered in the case of, of balls why you could tell he was fucked up <laughs> during a lot of his matches. And then I didn't see him for a while. And then this documentary comes out, um, uh, Barbed Wire City, maybe I might be getting the name wrong, good documentary. And he was skinny, like unnaturally skinny, though, not like I went on a diet and worked out. He just, no teeth, probably lost 200-something pounds easy. What happened to him? Oh, yeah. I Before that happened, we were going to Japan together. They were putting me, they were tagging me with balls. This is after my partner passed. And uh, it was just fucking, it was cool. I mean, I, we, we, he was easier to work with. Honestly, I was, ups, I was upset about one thing because they were bitching about something. And he pulled me aside. And I was like, what's, what's, you know, what's the problem? And like, oh, the young, the young Japanese say you, 
You, you dump them on their neck. You dump them on their neck. I'm like, what? I said, as many years as I've been coming to Japan, I've never, I'm the one that gets told I'm not doing it right. I should be doing it stronger, make it look even worse. And now I'm doing it the way you just wanted me to do it. And now you can't, I'm not hurting nobody. I know I'm not hurting anybody. So I had to go on the bus. I'm like, what's up? You know, and they're all looking at me like, oh, the back of the head, the back of the head, the fuck the best of the back of the head, it's in my bicep. What are you talking about? It's not even touching it. I said, I, it looks like a tie, it looks like a brain buster, but it's, you know, you're not, just roll with it. What is up with you, man? That's the only time I got really pissed. And then they kept us as a tag team for a while, then they stopped eating us. And then I think I went to Puerto Rico with Cronus before he passed. We tag up there, got the belts over there. Balls was good. Axel was good. I wonder if Balls hated Axel. And I say that because when they were in WWE together, it was no secret. Those guys were getting the belts. Well, and then Axel no showed a bunch mm-hmm. of shows, and th- that was the end of that team. So it was like there was Balls' push just torpedoed right there. What happened was they were giving balls and him a push because the ang- their team actually got over. Okay. And what happened was Axel couldn't control himself, you know, and, and make money and, and, and get a two or three year run. Balls, you know, he's married with a kid. He's getting his, he's got a, he's got, he already got his appointment set up. He's getting his teeth all fixed. Everything's going to be done. And then Axel does that and ruins everything. And they fire them both. And that means his insurance is gone. So he couldn't get his teeth fixed. And then it just went downhill from there. I mean, both of them. I was on the road with both of them before they passed. And I could see they weren't doing well, put it that way. I mean, Axel had a stroke. He lived in like a... Like an assisted living home or something for yeah, quite a back. while after he got hurt. I don't know, man. I all I know is I was do, I was at the hardcore homecoming. It was in Philadelphia. Uh, that was Shane's show, right? Yeah, and I remember I was on that show. So I went, I went there, and he was there, and I haven't seen him in a while. And he came up to me, and he he had the the Jim Ross, you know, like half his lip is down. Yeah, Bell's palsy. I'm like, what's wrong, man? What's going to happen? You know, he's like, oh, man, I got in a car accident, had a heart attack or a seizure or something. And I didn't even know any of this. I'm just like, oh, shit, you know, like, damn, hope you're all right. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm looking at him like, no, nah, I don't think you know what I'm talking about because you don't look okay. You know what I mean? I'm looking at him like, you look fucked up, man. And I think something happened to Sabu that day or that night too. Yeah, and and, and the tacky, a bunch of problems going. The tacky on. thing about that, they left it in the video. I have the video because it was included with the the documentary, the Forever Hardcore documentary, and they're intersplicing to Shane freaking out because Sabu had just taken some pills and he collapsed in his hotel room, and Shane's like, "Well, if, if he fails the drug test, he's fired," and all that. It was like, "Why are you showing this to sell a video?" I don't agree with things like that. I don't like it. I was pissed off about that. I got. I wasn't happy at all about that. And then I heard somebody was taking video of them and pictures of them. And oh really, yeah, it's all on the tape. I know where they got that from too. 
And he's, I remember he says, who's with Sabu? And I remember you can hear somebody off camera is like, what's Raven doing with him? Raven's not a doctor and all that. It was like, dude, why is, what does this have to do? I mean, I was supposed to wrestle Raven that night. He wouldn't even wrestle. He didn't want to wrestle me. I'm like, what do you mean I want to wrestle? Uh, my shoulder's fucked up. I, I just want to come in and get paid. I'm like, so he puts like four guys together, one crippled with a fucking cane. And, I, and he's like, oh, they're my flock. I'm going to come out with them, have them jump you. And I'll just get out of the ring. And then you make a comeback and you beat them all up. And then they'll hit Sandman's music. He comes in, finishes them off with the cane. And then you and, you and Sandman stay in the middle of the ring and raise your hands Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it got to the point where I took over. It was me, and the kid's name was Crippled H, they called him, which is hilarious. So this guy is in the middle of the ring with a cane, barely keeps his balance, you know, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, you know, I got 3,200 people looking at me, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this guy? So I was like Pitbull fashion. I just kicked the cane out from underneath him, and he takes a fucking face bump, a real good face bump, and I got a good pop out of that. And that was it that night. But it was messed up because a lot of guys, like I said, they took pictures. And that same night, that same fucking night, Axel crashed his car. Got in an accident, going back to Delaware, crashed his car. And I think that's when he, he went into that assistant living place. Because I knew he was in there because somebody told me. I, I knew somebody that was going to visit him. And they, he, wasn't, he wasn't in good shape. And when he got out, he wasn't out long before he really OD. Honestly, he shouldn't even have been out. I mean, he found some girl to hook up with, and the girl took him out. And then I guess he either was with her or somebody else took him to McDonald's and he got high, went to a bathroom to get high or something. Yeah, and, uh, some, uh, we had the, uh, I don't know if I, if this is true, I heard the the, the diaper changing station, he was uh, getting ready, he was using that to get his shit uh, ready to shoot up and all that. It was like... Well, there you go. I mean, that, isn't that a horrible way to die after, I mean, look at the, I mean, he entertained people, he scarred his body for, for what he did. And then he's doing that to himself. I don't understand that, man. Like, I'm no fucking angel, but I, I wouldn't fuck with that shit. I'm scared of that shit. No, and he hurt himself with all the matches with Ian, because I remember when they were first the bad breed, he was just baby skin almost. After all those barbed wire bats, his arm just, it was, it was the whole top of his arm was just scarred from. You could see when they'd hit with it and they'd just pull it away and the skin was coming with it and all that. It They just murdered each other with that stuff over there. Yeah, we had a run with them in ECW and we did, uh, eventually we did Loser Leaves Town. Because they weren't getting along with each other anyway. So Paul was like, I've had it. I'm bringing in, the, I think the Eliminators in and I'm getting rid of you guys. Or It was either the Eliminators, Bruce Brothers, or the Canadian, that Canadian tag team, Furnace and Lafont. Lafont. And what he also had, uh, 
what did everybody think? And I remember the three-way dance, the first one, which, which stunk. Um, Sabu, that was the one that he didn't show because he was, he in, was Japan. in Japan. I yeah. can't fault him. Now, when he told his version, he was like, I promise I'll be there. Your show runs six hours anyway. I promise I'll be there. I get that, Paul, if I was the promoter, I wouldn't want to take that chance either. But like Sabu said, I'm, get, I'm a steady payday. I'm working three weeks in Japan every month. This is a once a month spot show. I can't fuck up the Japan business. So I always got that. But when they brought Rick Steiner in and they had the match, was everybody mad at Sabu or was that just kind of, because I've heard even when Paul was like, fuck Sabu and all that. And he got the crowd to chant it, but he was on the no, phone. They, the day. Taz was the one who was mad. Taz was mad because he was working the angle with Taz. Am I correct? Yes. It was going to be them okay. against so, the public uh, enemy against uh, uh, Benoit Malenko. Well, like I said, Taz had a gimmick set up just like we did when we went to ECW where we're allowed to go to Japan. And I'm sure Benoit and all of them had the same thing and Eddie. So what happened to what I think it is, is Taz is just pissed off that he wasn't in that group. Because Taz wasn't going to Japan. They didn't, nobody reached out and said, we want Taz to come to Japan. And that pissed him off. He thought he should be in Japan. He should be a star. He thought he should have a, the belt. And why did this guy get to go to Japan three weeks and make all that money and I got to sit here and wait and you know, work, you know? I could be working him, but instead he's in Japan. So that's why he was pissed off. He's always was pissed off about that, you know, because we would go to Japan for two weeks, come back, go back to ECW. We, we tried to stay away from the three-week tours because I'm not going to lie, they're rough. Three weeks in Japan, rough. You know, you come back, not you, I'll come back 15 pounds lighter easily, 15, 20 pounds lighter and look pale and just look bad you know what i'm saying it's just hard work three weeks in japan is hard two weeks is it's hard but you can get through it you know if you get through it without getting injured and which i've had some great tours in new japan in wings in fmw and noah that i came home at least i didn't get fucked up too bad this is different over there man I loved FMW, FMW, uh, Big Japan. Um, I always liked that more than like, I didn't ever was into all Japan. New Japan I did like, but I always had a soft spot for FMW just for all that just crazy. I like going there because it was comic to me. It was fun. You know, I got Freddy Krueger fucking right, coming at me with leather face. You know what I mean? And we're doing the bed of nails match or the barbed wire match, and every night it was like. What, what can they do next? Like, what's going to happen next? You know, until the final show. At the final show of every tour you're on in Japan is the biggest show you have. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And I remember the last time I was in uh, Noah, I hurt my, my, uh, my left hamstring. I popped that sucker, man. I was trying to hit Baba uh, Bob, one of the old timers, man, real tall guy. I tried to hit him with a kick. I nailed it, but I ended up popping my fucking hamstring at the same time. So it sucked. 
And that kept me down for a while, man. So if you can make it through without getting hurt, it's the best. Because you can get paid so good there. You know what I mean? They take care of you. Uh, and like I said, I, I don't think, I think uh, it was a problem. Like Taz was just pissed off. Like, why, why, I don't even want to go to Japan. You know, I don't know. You know, I never asked to go to Japan. They came, they came up to me and us, me and Anthony. You know, Tokyo Joe saw us and come to find out he's a teacher. I didn't even know he was teaching guys until recently I met the uh, the guys that were working for WWF. They, they were kind of like the road warriors. They had pain on their face. Oh, the demolition? No, not demolition. Powers of pain. Uh, younger version. Younger guys. Younger guys. They Headbangers. They were not the headbangers. They were using them as a tag team. And they would do jobs for everybody, pretty much. Uh, I just can't think of their names. But they had, like, leather gimmicks and shit like that. And they looked pretty cool. But uh, he, we were just talking about the business. And he's like, yeah, Tokyo Joe, you know, he, he trained me out of Canada. I'm like, what? Like, no shit. I had no idea. Like, I just thought he was an agent. I didn't really know he knew what he was doing, you know. You always had to keep your eye on him, though, man. He'll get you locked up. He'll go grab a girl's ass or something. You know, you're in trouble, man. I used to have to yell, yell at him. Because they came to Philadelphia with our contract for me and my partner to sign our first one. And I remember, where, you know, he came. And they were doing Miss America at the same time in Atlantic City. And they had all the girls staying at the Hilton in fucking Philly. So it was like pandemonium. You know, he's like, look at all these pretty women in America. And I'm like, look, this ain't normal, man. This is Miss America pageant here. This is totally off the chart. And you shouldn't be in this hotel because you're fucking, you're crazy. <laughs> I just remember uh, King Down, the uh, photographer, took pictures of us. So we were already in the magazines before we got there. So they were just waiting at the airport for us. So, but, uh, all that stuff comes back to mind where back when we were talking about Dean Malenko that night, he said, don't worry about it. I got a perfect finish. And he, had, he came up with a perfect finish. And the finish was tackle, drop down. Uh, he's going to go up for the leaf rock. My head's going to hit him in the balls. He's going to hit the ground. I'm going to pin him one, two, three. And I was like, oh, wow, that's good. So I didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. But I beat you. And he came up with that. So Dean Malenko is the man of a thousand new Colts. There's no doubt about that. Him and Jericho had a happy birthday, by the way, to Chris Jericho. Yeah, um, they had a hell of a run in WCW. They, they, I mean, they made each other. Sure, shit made Jericho because that's the first time he started running his mouth a lot. And he was just naturally ill. Because he had what happened was his, Dean can naturally make your wrestling get better, he'll make you look better than you are. He can. He's like Ric Flair. I mean, if he wants to make you a star like he did for Sting, he could do that with anybody. You know, you just have to, you know, as long as they follow your lead. And that's what he did. You know, I used to love him and Eddie Guerrero's match. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I loved Eddie. He, he, I was sad when he died. He, I think he would have been one of the biggest, I mean, he was one of the biggest stars ever, but he, uh, he could have been even bigger and bigger. He still had a good 10, 12 years left in him. Easy. 
Right now, he'd be in charge of one of the companies. He'd be doing something, man. That's what sucks. I mean, look at Louis Spagoli, another one. You know what I mean? And he was getting a WCW run there toward the end for him. And he was in, remember, he was on TV. He was kind of like Scott Hall's lackey. He was getting a, he would have been upper mid card push. I mean, he had the rub of Scott Hall. Absolutely. Of course. That's like Virgil, you know? He hung with the DBIC long enough, people know. Virgil. Yeah. Why do you think? I, I, met, I met him in a hotel lobby one day. He's really nice. He's he's out there, man. He's a yeah, remember yeah. he started a GoFundMe for a million dollars for fuck money. I mean, more props to you, you know. I felt I felt sorry for him, man. I really did. But he he's good, he's happy go lucky, man. He was you know, I think everything he had was in that in that suitcase, man. Because I don't think he had a place to stay because I heard somebody argue on the phone. So God bless him, man. I don't know. I never really, you know, I talked to him a few times. I was, last time it was me, him, uh, Tony Atlas, and that bull butcher was sitting around talking. And I was just listening to these stories, and they were just, it, it just cracked me up, man. Just, Virgil's just like, he's crazy. But, you know, he just don't have no, he has a bad luck, you know what I mean? He has, he likes to gamble. He likes to pay. He likes to go to casinos, I heard. So I don't know if that's a problem or not. But I thought he was nice to me. So I have nothing, I have nothing bad to say about him. You know? Have you ever seen the Lonely Virgil website? Yeah, when he sits out there, he's the only person in the thing. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's bad, man. It's, he was selling like autographs in the subway once. I remember somebody videotaped him, like in the New York subway. He had a little, he was like sitting by a bench trying to sell autographs. He has to have do this for someone. You know, hey, buddy, come with me today, film this, show it. It's got to be a, a rib or something. It's got to be a work. I don't know, man. I don't know. It, I mean, if I was in that generation and he was one of the guys that were in my locker room, I wouldn't let that happen. Put it that way. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I, you need help, bro? You know, what, what can I do for you, man? You know what I mean? People don't do that enough. And New Jack used to say that to me all the time. New Jack used to call me up all the time and say, what's up, man? Just checking in, brother, checking in. You know, and, and I'm like, cool, cool. You know, and, and we were pretty tight. People don't know that, man. We would talk on a regular basis. Like he wanted, he wanted to be my best man in my wedding and all this shit. He's like, married a girl, married a girl. <laughs> he would always say that, man. He goes, As a matter of fact, I'll fucking I'll do a run in in your fucking wedding, man. You hit my come out to my music and I'll do a run into the fucking wedding and put me through a table and I'd be fucking great. He was like, he was like already setting it up and shit. He was fucking crazy. He called me up for stupid things sometimes. Sometimes I knew he was drunk, you know, and I just go with it, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was hilarious. He's like, "Yo, man, I want to get that. Uh, what's that called? You know, when uh, when they suck the fat out of you, lipo. Lipo, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to get some lipo done, man. I want to get some lipo done. And I'd be like, Why? Why do I want to get lipo done, man? I'm like, 
you getting a movie gig, a movie gig, you know, something coming up I should know about, you know, because he would take care of me. He'd make sure I get in it. And he'd be like, nah, I got to keep it low, man. I got to keep it low. I said, how you doing? Everything all right? He goes, yeah, man, I made some money on the book. I'm all right on the book right now. I got some cash, guys. Things are coming together. Things are coming together. He's gone. And uh, when you know, he called me on that Wednesday. And I guess, I don't know, two days later, he passed away. It was fucked up. And we were going to California. We were going to California together that following week. Because we did New York together. We did so well. They said they wanted us to go to California and do another gig, and we were going to do it. And I did it with Mustafa, his partner, instead. But Jack couldn't be there with us. Mustafa. Now I know Jack passed of a heart attack. I know, like Big Boss Man, a lot of causes in wrestling. It's something I kind of want to know for myself: overdose, heart attack. What do you think causes um, wrestlers to have heart attacks at such a fairly young age? Well, I, I know for a fact, I mean, talking about the boss man, he's a big man. I mean, when I wrestled him, I remember like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Looking up like, holy shit. Because he was tag partners with Akeem, the African dream, you know? Great gimmick. He, dude, he hit me with an elbow. I disappeared. You, you couldn't even see me. Maybe my head. That's it. It looked like he destroyed me. The boss man, yeah, the boss man was awesome. I mean, I never met somebody so friendly and so nice. But what it comes down to is we put our bodies through a lot of fucking stress. Number one, stress ends up becoming anxiety. Anxiety ends up becoming other problems. You know what I'm saying? Or how we take a beating, man. A wrestler, when they say you need... When I got in the business, they're like, I, I even would ask, like, when am I going to be ready to go work for WWF? Like, when is the time to go? And it was around, at that time, they would say seven years, except an exception, will do maybe five. You know, but you got to have that many years. And I realized that later on, because I'd get in street fights, people would hit me and I'd be like, like, what the fuck was that? That wasn't a bunch. This is a bunch. You know what I'm saying? It was like totally different. I didn't realize I ended up, my body just became a rock. Like nothing phased me. My pain tolerance is so high. It's, it's ridiculous. Like my doctor like, would say, they, my doctor would look at my x-rays and say, I don't understand. I'd be on the ground crawling. I don't get it. You know, that's what that kind of shit that my chiropractor and people say. But it's a lot of trauma in the heart. I mean, fucking Hase had a heart attack in the ring in Japan. And they brought him back to life. You know what I mean? That's why they tell us. I mean, God forbid, man. I mean, you've got to go get your EKGs done once a year. And I don't have no room to talk, man. I haven't gotten one done in a while, and I should. But you got to get that shit checked. Because one body slam can kill you if something's wrong inside your body. You know, and wrestlers, what do we do on the way to the show? You're going to drink most of them, like Ric Flair. We'll drink a 12-pack on the way to the arena. That's after laying out all day, drinking beer all day. Get to the arena after drinking a 12-pack. Have a couple of cigarettes. Go over the match. Do the match. Go back, take a shower. 
start drinking again. That's what they do. Wake up, do it all over again. You I think mean, steroids I, play a factor? Uh, if you abuse them, absolutely. Because your blood gets thicker, get more red cells, which is common, does happen. Uh, I What I do, if people have high red blood cells, which a lot of people do, if you do, my advice to you is do what I do. I go and give blood. Like four months, every four months, I'll give them blood because I have O positive, and they get give my. I have some kind of gene where you give it to babies or something like that. They call me, so I go every. They call me. I go every like four months. I'll go dump, and honestly, I feel great because when you dump, you're putting fresh blood hit back in you. Your, your body's making brand new blood, and uh, the pain in the ass. You know, you got a big ass fucking gauge needle sticking in your arm, but other than that. To give you a T-shirt, and it's you're giving you're saving somebody's life. You know what I mean? So that's how I look at it. Because I always looked at like when Eddie passed from a heart attack, and I was like, well, Eddie, I know he found Jesus. You know, he was born again. So I didn't think he was a partier, but I started to kind of notice Eddie in ECW was athletic guy, WCW athletic guy. When he did that run in WWE, he must put on 30, 40 pounds of muscle. He had a cobra neck you know, big traps. And it was like, was he maybe taking something and, you know, the body kept growing, the heart didn't. That was what I always kind of thought in his case. I don't know. He was definitely a little something. He was shredded. He, he was shredded. And his, and, his and wife. He, getting, he was getting the biggest push there was. They were paying him big money. I know they were paying him big money. Especially when they had him with China together. Oh, yeah. I mean, he so was awesome. Had, that was awesome. I mean, uh, Eddie was really, 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 really cool person. If he liked you and you were in that clique, you're very lucky. Like, I honestly, can't. I didn't get to really, like, I, I met, I met, I'm more tight with the father. Like, I knew I was friends with Eddie, but like Chavo, I really only met him once or twice. And you know, I wrestled his dad and, you know, Eddie, uh, Ray Mysterio Jr.'s father and Eddie's dad probably more times than I've wrestled uh, those guys, you know. So I really didn't know Chavo that well. A couple of years ago, I got to interview Vicky. Yes. Vicky Guerrero, and I, I'll say this to anyone who listens, is the nicest, sweetest woman I have ever met in my life just a good good person and i thought it was really now granted she was great she is a great heel and i do like to see her but the only part i didn't like like when eddie passed they have kids vince mcmahon couldn't go your husband made me 10 billion dollars in, in, in this run here's 50 million dollars that's that's a tax write-off you know for them this will set you for the rest of the life why well, you have to give her a job and make her he undo this thing where is Dominic's not the he's really Eddie's dad and all that. I, you know, they came out in the low rider, like you're going to burn in hell. Like Eddie it was like, this man made you so much money, write This woman, a check, set her up for the rest of her life. He'll never do that. He'll never do that. I mean, when Sable sued him, do you think he wanted to write that check? Oh, then he hired her back. A hundred and ten. Okay. You know what I hate? This is how he thinks. 
You sue him and you win. He's got to write you a check for a million dollars. You're going to get that million dollars. Then he's going to hire you back and so you can make him that money back. That's what he's going to do. Okay, because I know, believe this, I know how they got the Undertaker's name. They didn't have rights to that name. At the time, I was just getting my license taken care of for our name, the Pitbulls. But these guys were called the Undertakers. They were two big, big monsters, like 400-pound guys. And they called themselves the Undertakers. And honestly, that's what they did. They grade. And they fucking used that gimmick. And Vince was already looking. He, he was tight with Larry Sharp. He would send the spies down. Like Cowboy Bob Orton would come down a lot. A lot of guys would come down and check out what's going on in, in the school and see what, you know, who's out there. And the, uh, I remember, what was I saying? Never mind me. About The Undertaker. Not really his so, gimmick. Yeah. Or not then, his name. Well, he was more callous, me, Mark. So when he got the Vince, I guess they, I guess the production company, the writers came up, why don't they call this guy The Undertaker? And they're like, well, somebody's using The Undertaker. So what they did was like, they went to Larry Sharp. They had a meeting with The Undertakers. And they said, look, we'll give you 75 grand each for the name. And we'll hire you on the road. And you could probably work three years with us. Two or three years. You're good. We'll keep you all along. And they took the deal, which I would have too at the time. So they, they gave them the name. So there you go. They, he owns an undertaker now. And those guys actually worked for two or three years and made money on house shows for them. And all they did was jobs and they didn't care and they got paid well. So good for them. You know, they made their cash. So that's how the undertaker came about. First time I saw the undertaker, I thought that was the stupidest fucking thing I ever saw. Here's some guy in purple gloves and he's a fucking dead zombie with the power of the urn. My God, that's some talent there. I mean, all these years to, to okay, have a, I met a gimmick him. like that and have a run that long. Oh, I met him in, I was in, I think, Tennessee with Robert Fuller. We were there for a two-week run on Lawler's, or Jar- Jeff Jarrett's uh, company. And we were bringing the, uh, the North American titles with us. We were the tag champions, and we were in the stable. It was us, Matt Bourne, Robert Fuller, and Fireman Chuck, I think they called him, or something like that. And we were there with them. And uh, it was, uh, I just liked the, like, when I met him, he's like, you know, Robert Fuller introduced me to him. He's like, look, this is uh, Mark. And he's like, me, but they called him me, Mark. And I just remember looking up and I'm like, oh shit. Because the same day I met Sid Vicious, and he goes, This is Sydney. You know, we called him Sydney. If your boys would have called him Sydney. And I'm just remember looking up at him too, like, oh my God, where are these guys coming from? These guys are like over almost seven foot. I was very surprised. And then when I seen him, once I seen him work Vince in the working for WWE and he had the Undertaker gimmick going on, I said, Oh shit, it's a gold mine. Gold mine. Because we used to be, we would hang out, we would talk every time we'd be backstage, you know, we'd always shoot the shit. And I remember he told me and my partner, he's like, man, 
thinking about something, man. I'm thinking about something. And we had, he saw our chains and our spikes, and he was just like, man, you really want to be the mad dogs of war in my fucking hell where the dogs guarded my hell, my yard? You know, yeah, I'd do that. Hell yeah, I'd do that. So I don't know if he pitched it to Vince or not, but I've heard the way Vince is. He'll come up with a hell of a Sorry, I got the bad dogs at war upstairs that Amazon came, so now they're uh, barking like crazy. It always creeps my wife out. We have the thing where Amazon punches in the gimmick and they put it in your garage. So anytime oh, they go to the garage, they just freak out. Hey, at least you're doing your job. My, they're waking my dogs <laughs> Amazon comes here. Since that pandemic, they're here a couple times a week. Dude, let me tell you something. I got enough almond butter to feed a fucking army. <laughs> I gotta I mean, get more of that. Dude, paying eleven dollars a box. Get it on Amazon, bro. Cheap, man. I tried the keto bread the in, uh, last week. That was gross. Really? I didn't like. It was very almondy. It's that almond flour, which is not really my <laughs> thing. I've tried almond flour. Isn't that what we've been doing? I've been doing chicken. Dividend almond flour, egg, and then breadcrumbs. I've been doing something different. I'm getting away from the flour. Like the sugar, I'm using oat. I'm using actually coconut sugar, which is it's naturally sweet anyway. I know where I get my CBD. They have uh, flour there that's got the CBD in it. It was like, okay, but I just uh, stick with normal. I just stick with my liquid CBD. <laughs> No, my daughter was telling me about some CBD that's really good. Like he said, you take it and eat something right after, and bang, it kicks right in. For like, if you're like, if you got like PSS, what's that? PTSD, you know what I mean? Yeah. That he was telling me. So, well, yeah, man. Uh, and you watch, I watched a movie this week. I watched uh, Dune with Batista. Yes. Now that was a must have been a that's a remake. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. The original was the old eighties David Lynch movie. Yes. Okay. There's definitely gonna be a part two. So when you watch it, the end's the end, but it's not the end. There's no fucking way. Because like I said, Batista really didn't even get into it yet. So it's gonna be pretty good, I think. We finished watching Squid Games. Yeah. That's cool. You'd like it. I gotta get on it. We watched another one. We watched. Oh yeah, we watched the one. The one movie Batista did with the zombies. Oh, Army of the Dead. And they made one before that. Yeah, yeah, the prequel to it. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I watched Good? that. Army of one. Army of one. Yo, yeah, the, the same safe crackers in it, and it it brings the best people that could crack safes on the earth to this competition. And this kid just blows it out because there's four safes that are out there that dude, the guy that made them is the genius. I mean, they're set up where you fuck up one time, they lock and you'll never get in again. You know what I mean? And then the one, the one, the last one, it's like the safe of all safes. Like you gotta like really, really know what you're fucking doing. But it was very intense. 
like the way they were able just to walk right in, do what they got to do and walk right out. You know, computers nowadays, boom, boom, boom. They take a picture of the bank, they freeze it, stop, put it right on their camera. They're looking at the camera, nothing's going on. Meantime, they're getting robbed downstairs. They don't even know it. It's insane. Shit. Technology's fucking us up. I picked up, and I think I have it here. I maybe. Yeah, I, I did tell you I saw old, didn't I? No, is yeah. that any good? I've heard mixed on that. Midnight Channel. All his movies, man, are crazy, man. Yes, this they are. Was, this movie was pretty wicked because at first I was like, "What's going on? What's going to happen?" And once I realized what the gimmick was, what the psychology was of it, blew my mind. I mean, they get stuck on an island, and then they really break the news tape when you find out that the uh, food and beverage was the FDA yeah, are actually involved in it. It's crazy, man. They're, they're using people to find cures for other diseases. And by that happening and you going on that island and not knowing it, you're going to be, you got to watch it, dude. You got to watch it. It will yeah, freak I- I picked up. I wanted to show it to you. It was a uh, lift up my sunglasses. It was, it was here earlier in the day, but it appears to have moved. Uh, no, I found it. Do you remember the movie Revenge of the Ninja from the eighties? You have the cover. Well, I bought it from Germany because this would be the cover that you would know. Yes, I remember that. They kill his family. He has the belt and he turns and it's the star. Uh, Germany put out a Blu-ray of it uh, in this like really cool box set with like a book, but I don't speak German. So I, I picked that up. I was real excited. That was always one of my favorite movies as a child. So I was, I was glad it got a, a Blu-ray release over there, big collector set. Yeah, I was into all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. I still yeah. have the belt buckle to this day that you turn and it's throwing star. <laughs> You still have it. That's all. Well, but what people don't realize is it's it's rounded, because if it was an actual sharp blade, every time you sit down, you'd be stabbing yourself. So you can't do a lot of damage with it. But you can go like that because he threw it in the guy's hand. He was just. I love I love martial arts movies so much, and my kid does not like them much. So yeah. I didn't well, get to like share them with them. They were they were a lot different back when we were kids than they are now. Oh, they were violent when we were young. Oh, yeah. They're Tarantino violent. <laughs> Heads coming off and squirting blood. and Yeah, it was nuts, man. I got to twist my kids. If it's not a Marvel movie or a big studio movie, Fast and Furious, you got to twist his arm. He loves horror movies, but you know they're all with them video games and YouTube. They don't, he doesn't want to take his time to really sit down and watch a movie anymore. They don't have patience. No. Everything's got to be 15, 20 minutes after that. Unless it's, like I said, a Marvel movie. He's a big Fast and the Furious fan. Stuff like that. Yeah, he'll sit there for two and a half, three hours. Anything else, do, do, it's got to be that quick 10, 15 minute just YouTube video, TikTok, shit like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Except for AEW. He can watch that. I don't care if they put on a five-hour pay-per-view. Beginning to end, he's glued. Yeah. A lot of releases, man, by WWE again. 
Nia Jax surprised me because that's Roman Reigns, the Usos, goddamn The Rock. I mean, I there's more to that They're story. Gonna, she's got to get her COVID shot. Is what it comes down to. She gets her COVID shot, she'll have a job. She's you should have it. I mean, you're physical contact with somebody. Yeah, you should have it. I don't see why not. I think once all this crap is over, I think people who are sick should start wearing a mask out when they're about so they don't give us a cold. They do it in Japan, and they've been doing it since I've been there. That was 1990. I wear and one all day. I wear them all the time. I wear it too. Especially yeah, if I go to like a grocery store or something, I put on the, the medical one, then I put one of my Lucha ones on over it. So yeah, I double bag. Yeah, that's what I, I do the same thing, especially when I go... If I'm going to go to work, I'm getting on the plane, I'm wearing two masks, man. You know? It don't hurt it nothing. Just get it done. And like I said, I would wear, if I was sick and I had to go to New York and wrestle, I would still, I would wear one so I wouldn't get nobody else sick. That's what people should think. Everybody's getting, becoming so mean. You know what I mean? It's like anger, anger, anger. Pretty soon it's going to explode, man. Yeah. You got to be ready when it explodes. This ain't the, this ain't it, the worst if, thing we'll see. Not if it explodes, it's when. So. This might be the last pandemic you and I see in our lifetime, but we're going to see something a lot worse than this before we're dead. Oh, yeah. It, 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 dude. I mean, I graduated in the 80s. I mean, that's when AIDS happened. And I remember that. It was like, People were freaked out. Mm -hmm. I remember that. You know, but they didn't get freaked out. I mean, people were dying too. Okay. So don't say they weren't dying. So this one, it, they just lost their minds. I mean, locking people down and then next thing you know, it's airborne. They don't know what's going on. Somebody that had a job to do didn't do their job. That's all I got about that yeah, this you this know, isn't from a somebody eating bad sushi or a dog at a no, I mean no. this is from a lab this was made in a lab and they were going to use it nine times out of ten for warfare yeah warfare and uh we can't have that shit no the average yeah. virus doesn't mutate at the speed this thing this thing evolves on a daily basis it does I mean, the, the first day, you honest to God, when you first get it, you know you got it because you can feel it. Oh, yeah. Something doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? And then the next day, you know it. I, um, I got it early in the, uh, in the pandemic, and I had like a real bad runny nose and body hurt. And I remember when I, I, I did a video call with the doctor, and he was like, runny nose wasn't a symptom then. And he was like... Well, we'll go. Get, he's like, I think you probably just got a cold, maybe the flu. I'll send you, you'll get a test tomorrow. That night I was, I was getting sicker and sicker as it went. I got that test by that evening. It was like 103. I couldn't move and yet came back positive. I really, I was like two weeks. I just, I lay, I didn't watch TV or not. I just basically laid there in bed. I didn't have the energy to do anything. And even God, like two weeks later, I still went with the fever and all was gone. I still was just kind of like, I just didn't feel right. It was like I'm over a month it lasted. I had the shakes like I had sunburn. That's how it was. I felt like it was so cold. And when I'd cough shit, 
I've never seen before was coming out of my lung. So I knew something was wrong. And I did the same thing. I called, I called my doc up. But, but, but before I even did that, I took a whole thing of uh, a Z-Pack. But that's for a, that's a virus. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's different. Right? Is it a virus? Or... Yeah. Yeah. I've taken those before, too, if I had like a bad yeah. respiratory. Yeah. Something. And like within five days, you're better. You know? Yeah. I, I took that, bro, and it didn't do nothing. And I and it's been a long time since I did a Z pack. You know what I mean? I I always had one with me when I was on the road, just in case I got sick, just in case. But I'm looking at it up there. I'm like, I don't want to fucking take it. You know, I'd rather do it when I'm out on the road and I'm sick. But at that time, just getting into the doctor's office was a pain in the ass. So then when I called back and said, Look, I took the Z pack. It did nothing. I'm coming in. She told me come in. And she should have gave my girl the same shit, but she didn't. She just gave me my medicine. Stuff I've never seen before. Like stuff for, uh, what was it? Uh, respiratory system, like for your lungs. You know what I mean? It's, it was for your lungs if you get like, a, what's this? Oh, the like that redisavir, redimidir, something. Yeah, it was so like the first day I had to take like seven pills and then the sixth and five, four, three, two, one. Plus, she gave me 10 days of 500 milligram antibiotics and, and, and something else. And I it kicked its ass. It kicked its ass out of it. I mean, I was better in probably the third or fourth day doing the medicine, that's when I could start feeling it. Like, all right, it's going away. I'm kicking it fast. My immune system started getting stronger. I just kept guzzling Tylenol cold to try to keep the fever. And all it would do would make it 100 instead of 103. It didn't really no, no. make I, the I, body I, aches better. We had a bottle of B12, B6, amino acid. We were tapping a shot every other day. You know, just, you know what I mean? Just to get B12, B6 vitamin d amino acid it had everything in it to help help you know what i mean help our immune system so we beat it and i got my johnson and johnson shot i'm good bro yeah i got my two i'm actually going to get boosted in uh three days so then i'll be Still don't like to go anywhere though. I still don't feel safe like going to a movie or going to. I just I don't know. There's too many selfish people out there that won't wear masks, won't get a shot. I just I don't want to be that sick again. Yeah, I'm just trying to stay away from confrontation because I'm in the state of Florida now, boys, and they don't mess around down here. You know, you pass that line, it's over, and I have that every right to do that so if i feel just a tad bit unsafe so heads are gonna roll stand <laughs> your ground that's it bro you threaten me or my family you'll be reading about it i'll send you a special picture <laughs> <laughs> since you like horror so much hell yeah <laughs> I guess with that, I don't have anything else left this week to, to ask you. Do you got anything else? Uh, I think people should watch the AEW pay-per-view. It's coming on Saturday, I think. Yep. We got it ordered. 50 bucks. But they'll give you five hours of entertainment. That's what I'm saying. I think you guys should definitely jump on that. Uh, 
Also, AEW, get ready. The call is coming soon. You're not going to believe it till you see it. Got to get Jerry Lynn on the phone. Or Dean. I'll talk to Jerry. Talk to Dean when I'm there. Once I walk in with them, they're going to know. They're going to know, and they're going to be very surprised. They're coming back to Daly's place in Florida in December. How far is that? It's Jacksonville, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing you asked me. Where you live in Florida? Where I'm at, about three hours. There you go. That'd be a nice weekend trip. Oh, oh yeah. And it'd be a successful one. Guaranteed that. So you got to let them grow up a little bit. You know, you don't want to bring them in too young. You want to bring him in when he's just turning into a man, getting, you know, he's finally listening, put it that way. You know, you get him when he's finally started to really listen and do what you said to do. Because you could tell the weight, you know, from 170 pounds and now almost hitting 200 pounds. The big difference. And he's 5'11", 5'12", almost six foot. Probably with boots, probably 6'2", 6'1". But do imagine Tiger Mask moves with that. Any buckle, he'll flip. Any person, he'll flip. He'll shoot to... Dean's going to love him because he's a shooter, too. So that goes without say. I couldn't do nothing but run my mouth. That's all I'm going to do, brother. I give MJF a run for the money. I'll run my mouth managing this guy. And we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you just have to wait for the right time. I guess with that, watch the pay-per-view, and we'll be back next week. You got it. Peace.